Hi, Nolte Manning II here, and welcome to Meet Me at the Movies, Cinema Scene and Elements of Madness. However you're tuning in to spend time with us, whether that's online, whether that's radio, or whether that's TV, we always appreciate uh, anybody uh, who spends time with us, uh, all three of you. So thank you. Thank all three of you. Hayden J. Will, man, thank you for joining us. Uh, and, and we talked before we went on the air. We're doing some time travel here because you were actually in tomorrow. So you told me that tomorrow looks pretty good. Oh, Friday is fantastic. <laughs> I'm so excited for you to get here. That's great. So you are, which part of New Zealand are, are you uh, talking to us from? Currently in Auckland, which is the most populated area, about one and a half million people right up the top in awesome. the sun. Awesome. Well, I've got, I think I've got about 3,000 people in my town. So, man, we're, we're small fries. We're small fries. <laughs> good. We're really good, man. Well, Hayden, <laughs> Hayden I really appreciate your time. And, uh, man, you are, you are a triple threat. You're a writer. You're an incredible comic actor. Uh, and a director, and, and probably so much more. Um, and I, I, I love your comedy. And I've got to tell you, if I ever open up a car lot or a car dealership, you are my man because the thing. <laughs> did, you dig, did you do some digging? Did you find some films from 10 years ago? Oh, man. <laughs> I loved it. You know, I've watched that that same clip and that same segment, that short of you trying to be a car salesman, probably 20 times and I laugh every time. So your, <laughs> your timing as a comic actor is so brilliant and comedy is so hard. I mean, it really is hard to do well, but man, you were so, so talented at it. And so is oh, thank you. felt came natural or is it something that, you developed over time or, 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 or from an actor's standpoint, how, how were you able to get so good at, at comic acting? Well, that's a lot of compliments in, in the last 20 seconds. So I'll, I'm just going to take it in for a second. <laughs> it's not something that, uh, it's not something that I ever planned to do at all. It was merely out of necessity. So I would usually write whatever we're shooting and, we don't have any money when we make stuff over here, especially in New Zealand. We've only got 5 million people in the country. So there's not a heck of a lot of investing in film going on. So when it comes to filming, we're kind of strapped for cast and we have to cast people that know the material and are willing to do silly stunts with no safety precautions or um, willing to stay up really late and do the long hours without being paid anything. So I just jumped in because that was, that was easiest at the time. And then I got addicted to it because it's people like you who say nice things. And then I go, yes, this is how I can feel of value and how I can sleep at night with a smile on my face. So we'll just continue to do it. <laughs> well, uh, well, being crazy without safety precautions and, and, and doing all hours of the night, that pretty much sounds about like my life growing up. Um, my mom can attest to that. <laughs> That's yeah. my life was like, and it still is actually to an extent. <laughs> so, so the, the, what about the filmmaking part of it? How did that happen for you? And uh, was it something that you knew all along this was something you were going to, to pursue? Yeah, I used to watch Back to the Future over and over again when I was a young kid. I just loved it. 
um, Michael J. Fox on his, that's why I put the J in the, I mean, my middle name is James, but I just thought I want to be a bit more like him. I love it. Let him play. <laughs> yeah. I mean, him skateboarding, playing guitar, the exciting action sequences, the music's incredible. I just remember having an adrenaline rush every time I watched certain sequences of that film. And I thought, I really want to make people feel this excitement. This is so cool. You know, if you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. And then I got into Kevin Smith and Tarantino and Rodriguez. And I just watched all these films. I was like, man, these guys are just going out and shooting stuff with barely any help or money. They're just getting their friends together and doing it. Maybe this is actually something we can do. You tell the angels in heaven you never seen evil so singularly personified as you did in the face of the man who killed you. Most people want to be a specific kind of filmmaker. They want to get paid for it. That's different. That's, that's a different place to get to. But then you can become that kind of filmmaker where you get paid for it, but most people want to be another kind of filmmaker where they're like, I want to make the movies I want to make and get paid for it. it you start getting into some rarefied air up there, man, but if you don't want to be in the rarefied air, you can absolutely be whatever you want to be. You can totally be a filmmaker, but getting paid for it, that's the trick. When I was about 13, I got in a lot of trouble at school because I was a wayward child, and the... I was sent to the counsellor of the school to, to, you know, where they ask, is everything okay at home and all these things. Right. <laughs> and I said, yeah, yeah, but, you know, um, I don't want to work. I don't want to go and be in the, you know, labour force. And I was not interested. I said, I really like films, but, you know, that's not going to happen because we're from this small town in this small country. And she said, oh, well, right now there's actually a Kiwi guy making films. He's young. He's, his name's Peter. He's, he's making the Lord of the Rings films. Even the smallest person can change the course of the future. <laughs> and, um, and then, yeah, that kind of paved the way. Suddenly it was a, a possibility. You know, and one of Peter's films had Michael J. Fox in it, The Frighteners, and, and I would watch that on repeat as well. The dining room table spun in a counterclockwise direction. Uh, I don't think that that one happened, no. The toilet seat lid banged up and down. No. Did the bed levitate? Yeah, yeah, with me on it. Spontaneous recurrent psychokinesis. Oh boy. Oh, this could be the worst case I've ever seen. Oh yeah, this is bad. So that's how it all started, yeah. And then I got to go down and, and work with Peter. Yeah, that's right, so I got to be the dwarf in the first Hobbit film, I think, but I was also um, Bilbo Baggins standing and body double for the entire two and a half year shoot so i got to have a front row seat to to see peter and martin freeman and sir ian and everyone kind of block and shoot yeah, yeah. but that kind of stuff makes it real <laughs> when you're right yeah, yeah. front lines uh, of someone of that caliber i mean jackson is is so brilliant you talk about the frighteners and i i loved the frighteners use of of horror and comedy and it and it melded so well and that is a challenge sometimes in these cross genre films but i see that you have been able to do that in your films as well you've taken that and you have perfected it i mean whether it's the the sci-fi romantic comedy element or whether it's it's this horror um spoof parody kind of thing that that feels so natural and that's a challenging thing to do but but jackson as you said in, in frighteners he did that and uh, that movie was just so spot on and i think it's one of his most underrated films 
I think more people mm. need to see that. Yeah, I fully agree. I think it was meant to be a Halloween film. And Robert Zemeckis, who directed Back to the Future, produced it. And I think he liked it so much that they decided to push it and it can be a summer blockbuster. It can stand on its own and it just couldn't for some reason. What a shame. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, you've done commercials, you've done um, short films and you've, you've written, you've directed, you've acted. Is there one place that you feel most at home in, on your journey? I really love it all. I genuinely really love it all. And I also feel like we're such small fry. We're so we're on the other side of the world to you guys over in the States. <laughs> and we grow up with American television and American films and all kind of American culture pervades the New Zealand culture. So all the time, all we're doing is going like, oh, well, one day maybe we can be a little bit more like the States. Like everything we do is to try and get onto that stage. And so... Uh, no, I really love everything, all of it. I um, I'm probably directing actually, because then then you've got you got your fingers in all the pies, you know, from beginning to end, and you can really have control over the product. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so let's talk about Dead. Uh, this this yeah. film that looks at um, the afterlife in a different kind of way. Uh, were there any inspirations? that brought this to you? Are there any films or filmmakers that you looked to when you started thinking about this? Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright's trilogy, the Cornetto trilogy, and the horror elements mixing with the comedy elements. And I love all their setups and their foreshadowing and their payoffs. I, I think they're really smart with that. Look, okay, just get any blunt objects together, all right? If you get cornered, bash them in the head. That seems to work out. Keep together, stay sharp, and follow me. Um, yeah, that, that was a big one. I really love the Frighteners, obviously. Just horror comedy getting in there. And I love stuff like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, like buddy detective comedies where you've got a slacker, a fully like fish out of water, struggling through an, an insurmountable problem and learning a lot about himself along the way. I think that's really attractive to me. That's where it came from. Yeah, and, and that kind of comedy, the fish out of water comedy can work so well. It's, it's been done and it's a, it's a formula that we've seen so many times, but finding a way to make it feel fresh and make it feel unique and purposeful, it, it can be a challenge and you found a way to do that. And, and I think a big part of that is the writing, but also it's the casting. It's finding the right, uh, right people who can carry out those characters. And you did that. Talk about the casting in this film. Oh, great. Yeah, thank you. Thank you again for all the compliments. I love this. <laughs> I should be writing. I get a recording. <laughs> we should be recording this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I have to get it from you. Uh, yeah, so Tom Sainsbury, who plays Marbles, who's the lead character, I had seen some of the videos he would make on YouTube with some of his friends. And I just loved them. So uh, randomly in 2016, we were at the Film Awards here in New Zealand for uh, that I was there. For, we were nominated for a few things for Chronesthesia or Love and Time Travel, it's called in the States. And I saw him in the line. So I went up to him and I got really excited. And I said, Tom, I, I love your work. I'd love to catch up and be friends and hopefully maybe work together one day. And he said, oh, this is, you remind me so much of my nephew. Um, Cause you know, you're all excited and, and, and positive. And I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. Um, uh, 
as your as your nephew cool? And he goes, yeah, yeah, he's about to turn three. He's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> so that was how me and Tom met. So we became pals and like, I just, I had him up for lunch. We went and caught up, talked about films we like. He does, I think, four theater shows a year. He's really prolific and busy. He's published a bunch of plays as a writer. So he wanted to get into the film world. So that's what we did with Dead. And then Jennifer Ward Leland, who plays Janine, who plays Marvel's mum, she is New Zealander of the year this year. So she can speak fluent te reo, te reo Māori, which is the native language of New Zealand and one of our recognised languages. She is a patron of the arts here in New Zealand. She's done a huge amount. Then her real life partner is Michael Hurst from like Hercules, Xena, a whole bunch of um, amazing series over the years. So it just made sense for us to pull them in as a real life couple. And yeah. so we could have them fun on set. And everybody did it for free. You know, everyone's on deferred payment. Our budget was so low. So it was just a matter of convincing people, like, this will be worth your time. It will be fun. It will be freezing cold. We're going to shoot it in the, in the winter <laughs> and really difficult element-wise. But it'll be fun. Come along. <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah. one of the characters has to run around with, with pretty much only his boxers on the whole time, correct? <laughs> That's exactly right. A very foolish writing decision. Yeah. <laughs> I woke up in a barn. Then I realized I was dead. So, so going back to the nephew thing, the excited three-year-old, mm -hmm. did you get to did you get to say uncle to him pretty much every time you met him? Uncle? <laughs> I did I would I should do that. I'm still working with Tom now. So he's directing a film now that I'm acting in and he's acting in. So um I'll have to start calling him Uncle Tom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the uh, how long was the the shoot for this uh, we'll talk about if you would back up talk about the development and then the pre-production and then the, the actual shoot itself i'd love to know time periods how long that took since we're talking time mm. we've got to get all that in mind <laughs> yes of course so where are we now we're in 2020 how could i forget what a year 2020 has been um so we're in september uh and Maybe I think November of 2017, we started writing it. And we got the first draft out in about a month, I think. It really didn't take long. Uh, it was wildly different to the film as is now, of course. And then I think, yeah, January 2018, we said, we're going to make it this year. We're going to make it as soon as the leaves start falling off the trees, we're going to start shooting. Yeah. And we had not long to plan it and to, we were rewriting all the time we were getting all of our active friends over to the house and we were doing read-throughs we were changing and we were asking questions we were finding out how much money we could like realistically get from independent businesses because we knew that the national film commission here in new zealand was not going to touch it they have a very specific agenda to further uh, new zealand cultural stories from, from indigenous people and also from female filmmakers under heard voices. And so they were not going to give two white dudes a bunch of money to make a ghost film. Totally fair enough. And we fully support that. So we decided we'd do a full independent. So as we kind of saw where the budget was looking, we were hoping for this and we're like, oh, okay, we're going to get this. Okay, great. So that meant we got to cut that scene, cut that scene, can't have all those characters, can't have this sequence. So we were constantly rewriting to make it more achievable. And 
crewing it up as well, finding out who can come and hang out with us for the shoot for barely any money. Like we would be able to pay their rent, but only just. And we shot for four weeks. So 20 days. Wow. 20 days. So it wasn't a heck of a long time. Yeah. And then over the next year, we edited it and we would show it to test audiences, would change things, would measure where the laughs were, ask people what parts they liked and didn't like. And then we went and did one more week of shooting, I think four days of shooting, to patch up some holes, do some pickups. Yeah. And then it took forever to finish because we'd run out of money. And we kept trying to ask for more money. We asked some um, companies to help and some amazing companies came on board to help us finish it. So the color grading was done by images and sound. All of the sound was done by underground sound and that all the score was done by, I think four different people. So it was like kind of outsourced and oversaw by one person, but um, Jimmy Urine from Mindless Self-Indulgence, a New York punk band yeah. uh, jumped on board and did a third of the score. And it was due to everybody's passion and love that we actually finished the thing. It, it did take, longer than it should have but it's because we couldn't pay anybody so they would have to wait until they'd finish their day jobs get into <laughs> dead for like an hour and a half you know while the kids are bothering them and everything and then here we are luckily we finished it now now it exists all worth it too i mean once you get to this point it, it's all worth it i mean all the the, the rewrites and the, the test screenings and the challenges when you get to this side of it and you you finally have that baby to be able to say, look, look, look at this baby, you know, it, it's worth it. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely worth it. Uh, you know, a couple things you, you talked about having those test audiences and then collaboration. I think two of those things are really, or can be key to a successful final cut. Um, you know, collaboration, listening to others, um, getting the feedback, building off of the, the, the strength of others and letting them rise to the occasion. But also those test screenings, sometimes you're so close to a project, it, it is difficult to separate yourself at times. And so listening to others, especially the audience that you're hoping will get it and will laugh or will cry or will feel something to, to get their thoughts. And if they're not feeling something, if they're not laughing, if they're not crying when they're supposed to, it's like, okay, we've got to do something. So <laughs> Yeah, exactly right. So what are the things that you feel are most beneficial from those things, from the collaboration standpoint and from those test audiences? We tried to have a pretty diverse team. I mean, having said that, like me and Tom are both white dudes, but he's gay, I'm straight. We decided if we're going to be playing these two roles and we're also writing and I'm directing, then I made the rule up front. Like I want to have a female DP. I want to have a female editor. I want some of the producing team to be a woman um, or people of color. And then same with like the color grade. It just every step along the way, it was like, how can we get some different voices in here? Measure where, yeah. I mean, that just makes the whole thing stronger because then you've got somebody saying like that joke for some reason isn't funny or like this bit could be better if this happened right. or like, Hey, have you heard about this thing? and I'll bring that in. And that was just awesome. It just means that you get, you know, a panoply of different voices and it, it makes for a stronger product. It does. So that was great with collaboration. Um, easy peasy. And also, I mean, like everybody's there for the passion and the love. So one thing that having barely any money really helped with was 
and meant that everyone was there because they wanted to be there and they believed in making something cool and that was their mo it wasn't earn money go home their their mo was let's like put let's make this thing let's let's put our energies into it and do something great that really helped a lot and then when it came to test audiences that was yeah, wow. I mean, anybody that's ever made anything, whether it's like writing a song or making a painting or making a film, as soon as you play it or show it to somebody else, oh man, you know the parts that you need to change. You know, like you, as soon as that those bits play and you go like, oh, I should have cut earlier there. And oh, people are still laughing there and they missed that line and that's line and that line's important. You know, we've got to push it back or all those kinds of things just made themselves abundantly clear and we would get them to fill out questionnaires. I mean, of course, then you get morons who like a, who are making the most ridiculous suggestions in the feedback forms. So you can throw that out the window. <clears throat> but if, you know, if 10 people say the same thing, that's a pretty good indicator that something needs to change. Yeah. Yeah. So here we are, uh, this, the film dead is, is now uh, out for, for people to see. So why should someone see this or maybe who should see this film? We know everybody, but, but if you had your pick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would say probably 18 to 30 year olds who are interested in horror or are interested in comedy um, or are stoners. That might, that might be the way to go. <laughs> Having said that, it's been really strange. Like I think 80% of our trailer views is coming from women in their forties. So, I mean, you just can't tell. Um, and people that get something out of it, like people keep talking about how it's a look at life and death. And I was like, oh yeah, I guess it is. I mean, it's a look at regret and all that stuff, but yeah, it's also a look at a cop and his undies. You know what I mean? It's hard, to, it's hard to find like, I don't know, hopefully you can get something out of it. Well, and, that, and the, to me, that's the beauty of, of any film uh, or any song or any TV show, or any commercial, uh, or even a short about a car salesman, there's always, there, there can be a message, and there can be a theme, and there can be meaning and purpose beyond just the laughs or the, the tears. Uh, and that's why I love audience uh, interpretation for anything, for any type of art. Everybody's different, and everybody sees things and experiences things uh, in a different way. And what may speak to one person may not speak to this one, but there's another scene or another note that has a different appeal. And that's the beauty of film. Uh, that's the beauty of music, the beauty of the visual arts, uh, drama, dance, you name it. Uh, interpretation means so much and everybody can get something different out of it. Yes. I, I can't agree more. I think that's, that's really well put. And as you were talking about that, I was like, actually, yeah, no, I'll change my answer. Anybody that's ever regretted something or anybody that's ever wished they could say something to somebody that is now gone, like, yeah, that's kind of what the film's about. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'll tell you, man, I really appreciate your time. Uh, Hayden J. Will, Hayden J. Will. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Meet me in the movies. I am Noel T. Manning II. Um, Hayden, you have any final thoughts or final comments uh, you want to make sure you share with our audience? Um, no, wish your mom happy birthday for me and, and, and take her out somewhere nice for dinner or something if you're able to catch up with it. I sure will. I sure will. Really appreciate you. Uh, and, and if anybody wanted to follow your work, 
I know you've got a YouTube channel, you've got a website. Where, where do you want people to, to follow you and kind of see what Hayden's up to? Uh, yeah, HaydenJWheel.com would be a good one. I should probably update that more often. But whenever anything big comes out, I'm going to throw it up there. That's where you can watch trailers and stuff, and there'll be links where you can watch things, yeah. Perfect. The movie is dead. Uh, it is available now. It is well worth your time, uh, both for, uh, for entertainment value, but also that thought-provoking aspect of regret and, uh, and never forgetting to say you love somebody or goodbye to somebody. So there you go. Hayden J. Will, our guest right here on Meet Me at the Movies, Cinema Scene and Elements of Madness. I really appreciate you, Hayden. Thanks for your time. Uh, and thanks. thanks for so much. Until next time, that is a wrap.